What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire? Running your own company? Achieving your life's goals? Yet wake up in a cold sweat? Next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Hello, caviar dreamers. Hello, caviar dreamers. We have an amazing episode today. We have on Susan Feldman, co-founder of One King's Lane, one of my favorite websites in the whole world for home. Yes. If you don't know about One King's Lane, go look now. Um, yes. But One King's Lane was founded in 2009, and it really was a unique curated shopping experience that was... It was styled editorially, and it brought to you brands that didn't have their own websites a lot of the time, things that you just didn't know existed, exactly. and they packaged them in, like, shop the look. Yeah, and I was literally obsessed with it. So amazing. She sold it in 2016 to Bed Bath & Beyond, and then started a website in the group. It's for women who are of a certain age, because, you know what, people feel invisible after they're a certain age, and women should not, because... We make a lot of money, we're successful, we're still beautiful, and she wants us to be seen, heard. Yes, and also provide all the resources, yes. the way she did with Juan King's Lane, provide amazing resources to women, but fashion, not being ideas, beauty, everything possible. So she's constantly reinventing herself. She's absolutely amazing. Susan Feldman. Hi, Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you guys? So I am super excited because we're here with Susan Feldman, the original co-founder of One King's Lane. And now she has an amazing company called In The Groove for women of a certain age, which I fit into, the Maj fits into. <laughs> and she's just unbelievably fabulous. So thanks, Susan, for coming on today. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat. <laughs> Yes. So I just have to start with a co-founded company that I'm absolutely obsessed with that I actually still shop at. I was yeah. looking at my sh sheets last night. One King's Lane, um, which you founded in, was it 2002? 2009. No, 2009. I'm so sorry that you wound up selling in 2016 to Bed Bath. Exactly. And you were 53 years old. Yes. 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 A lot of women, you know, would be like winding down their career. And I love that you were just starting something new because you already had a tremendous career prior to that. 
Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, you know, I think necessity is the mother of invention. We had moved to Los Angeles after living for many years in New York and bought a house. It was the first house I'd lived in since, you know, I really I left home to go to college. So that was a long time. And I just became like a lunatic. I was obsessed with, you know, anything and everything I could do in my house, entertaining, decorating, whatever it was. I just felt like, somebody, you know, let me out of my cage and into a candy store. It was like so much fun. But the thing that was interesting back then, it's so hard to even imagine. It sounds like it was like a million years ago, but um, you know, 2005, six, seven, eight, the, the online shopping was obviously not what it is today. So I was busy. I had, you know, family, I was running around, but I still wanted to find cool, unique things for my home. And there's amazing stores in Los Angeles, but I didn't have time to go there. But online, I just wasn't finding what I wanted. And so um, the, the long and the short of it is that we created One King's Lane, which was, you know, sort of my what what was the place that I wanted to shop and had the products that, you know, I wanted. Um, yeah. And so we did that in 2009. I partnered with a woman named Allie Pincus, which is a whole other story, but kind of fun. And uh you know, five, we, we formed an LLC in five months. We bootstrapped the business in the height of the recession and just went at it. And it was just one of those magical moments where, you know, we really hit, I think, uh, a nerve for a lot of people. A lot of people, I think, were thinking about this, you know, because of the recession. They, you know, weren't selling their homes. As a matter of fact, they were going back into their homes, starting to entertain, decorate, you know, making wherever they lived nicer because they weren't going anywhere because the real estate market was, you know, not in great shape at that point. And, um, you know, I think we had a great idea, which is only a small part of starting a business, but I think we actually executed really well and did a lot of things in a kind of a new, fresh way, which just made it kind of an instant success, which was pretty amazing. What I loved also about Juan King's Lane was many of the brands, you know, it really was like a treasure hunt and you, the curation was yeah. so magnificent. And Every time you looked on One King's Lane, you found something that you didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. Design yeah. it was so, it was like shopping the best magazine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know. I mean, a couple of things. One, the you probably know this, but in the home space, which was kind of unusual at the time. Um, a lot of retailers didn't necessarily tell the brand's story or who they were. Actually, they wanted to kind of keep it a secret. So if you walked into their shop, you felt like that shop person had curated this amazing assortment and you just didn't know where, you know, it came from, but it just looked beautiful altogether. So the first thing we did is we told all the brand's stories, I think in a way that they had never seen anybody tell their story before. And we were really good at storytelling. It was now everybody is a storyteller but we were doing it really before I think a lot of people started doing that and so it was not only a great place to shop but it was a place that you could really be I think inspired by and learn you know about brands and then you know whatever you liked it was up to you to create you know that home that you loved so we gave you access and you know inspiration and the product to do it and then you know everyone did their own thing. And then years later, you built it up into this amazing, successful company that it was. And then a big retail, like a Bed Bath, comes to you. And mm -hmm. was that your goal to get bought out? Were you like, I mean, I don't know that, you know, I think because you did wind up staying on. I mean, they needed you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, so I think, 
you know, when you, when you have a, a vision like this, you know, our goal was to build a great brand. And I think that's what we did. And, you know, when you do that, then I think people are interested in, in what you're doing. And so, yeah, you know, there's lots of different options, ways you can take a business. And this seemed at the time like a good option for us for a lot of different reasons. Um, and yeah, and I ended up staying on because at the time I was pretty much the face of the brand and I wanted to make sure that that transition happened in a positive way. So I think, you know, when you have a team that's been with you for a while, sometimes that's scary when things like that happen. And so if somebody who like myself, a founder stays on, it makes people, you know, I think feel better about the situation. So I stayed on for a little while. It wasn't too long because then I had plans for, uh, in the groove. <laughs> yes. Which I love that you did in the groove because it's true. Tell everybody where it's at. Cause I just think it's so genius because mm -hmm. we don't see women of a certain age represented in no. an amazing stylish way. You no. open every social media app. It's young, you know, for lack of a better word, young girls, young women, influencers are all in their twenties. No. Um, no makeup shades are shown yes. on youthful, you know, twenty-year-old skin. Outfits are all shown on Revolve, Shop Up, everywhere. They're shown on nineteen-year-olds. It's true. That's the one thing I, you know, I always say about housewives. At least, like we're all women of a certain age. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's on my show, there will yeah. be a representation. Oh, that's not. Not all has like a good representation. No, we're not all good <laughs> representation, but we're all women of a certain yeah. age. So tell us about in the group. What made you think? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. So we sold the company and I was trying to figure out, you know, what I would do. And while we were selling it, maybe I had a, a little more time on my hands. I started reconnecting with friends and talking to a lot of women who, you know, 50 plus range. Um, and what I kept hearing from people was not how I was feeling. I kept hearing people saying they were not feeling great about themselves. The word invisible came up in every single conversation, which was, you know, so upsetting to me. Actually, well, the first thing that happened is a girlfriend of mine who I went to Stanford with posted on Facebook a picture of somebody's 50th birthday. And the hashtag was like, hashtag at 50, you know, we're not invisible. And I think they actually thought it was funny. And I'm like, why are they writing this? Like, you know, they're so not invisible. They're successful, beautiful women. And I kept hearing this word. So I started like digging deeper into it. Like what's going on out there? I thought maybe I had missed something, you know, and while, you know, working on one King's Lane. And I, so I started looking where, who's speaking to this demographic, you know, digitally, like where are women hanging out online? And like, it was crazy. You have like AARP on one end, which, you know, is an amazing organization and speaks to a lot of people. It didn't speak to me. And I don't think it spoke to the women that I was hanging around with. And then like at the other end, a very fragmented uh, group of, you know, bloggers and women that I think took to the blogosphere because they were frustrated by, you know, what we we're talking about. But there was nothing in the middle and nobody really built kind of a go-to brand that I think spoke in the voice that we were all talking to each other in. You know, it was like you see like, you know, a Viagra commercials with a woman in a bathtub, you know, or a woman that looked like she was 900 years old. Like yes. that wasn't who we were.
whatever. And so I started digging into this. So it turns out that women 50 plus are a very big uh, and growing demographic. We actually hold like 70% of the wealth in this country country and we're super consumers we spend 250 percent more than any other demographic out there and nobody's like serving us or talking to us and i'm like okay there i i can do something with this like i feel like i'm a pretty good role model like at 53 i started a business i'm in a, a loving relationship i'm happy i feel it. like we need to start this you know front and forward so we can change the conversation um, so you know doing a lot of research did focus groups and decided you know what I'm best at is curation so let me do that in a way that will hopefully be informative to this you know group of people be fun not take ourselves too seriously and hopefully maybe at a larger level can start changing the conversation around ageism. So, you know, we're like, uh, we are a website that has a lot of fashion and beauty and some health and wellness, mostly around menopause. We send out a newsletter three times a week. We have a really fun Instagram handle, get in the groove one, our website is getinthegroove.com. And we've built, I think a really terrific community over the last couple of years and excited, you know, really to keep building it because I think there was a big void, honestly, you know, for this and uh, we're having fun. So it's good. I, I loved looking at the website also. I yes. find an amazing um, eyewear company that when I click through these sick pink aviators, so amazing. It'll probably caddis. Yes, the caddis. Yes, yeah. you showed me today. When I click through the diversity of ages on their website and what they represent, like a cool eyewear for people who actually need readers, which I exactly, exactly, I can't see but anything without my. It was you so know, we, refreshing and interesting to see. It was so visually interesting to see. I oh, love good. It. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, listen. The thing that's really interesting is that we are really the first generation, right? We're healthier, we're wealthier, we're more engaged than any other generation before us, and so we're paid even the way for you know everybody behind us because nobody's really there's not really been a generation like this like my mother's 92 this was not her generation you know yeah. this is not where i was doing the math and thinking back to like um when at my wedding you know which i was divorced and remarried and uh how old she was and i thought what like i was thinking like i think she was like the same age yeah she was about my age and i was thinking what she looked like and i always thought my mother looked pretty good for her age you know what i mean but right. like you see yourself yeah. now you're like oh my god right exactly if i looked like my mother looked then i would be like mm, not 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 really in a happy place <laughs> i mean and she looked fantastic you know for for the at the time but we're just a different generation and i think actually it's interesting which is we have about on instagram about 25 percent of our audience is under 40 and i think because they're curious like hey you guys did this you had families you had careers you look really good and like, I need to know how you did that because now I'm trying to figure that out myself. So we really are like, I think helping, you know, clear the way for it, like really the generations behind us and trying to figure it out ourselves. I mean, I don't think anyone really has the answers, you know, uh, so it's, it's interesting. I know, I feel like my mental state of 54, I don't, you know, it is really a number and I always say that I feel so much younger, like, 
I go out late. I always say I take a disco nap. I like to nap before dinner. My <laughs> husband and I don't go out to dinner until 8.30 at night. We stay out very late. My son always says, you stay out so much later than I do. I feel like because my kids roll out, because my career is right. successful, yeah, because yeah. I have a different life. Exactly. I have a very youthful, a youthful outlook and they call it a youthful outlook, but why is it youthful? It's like, it's an outlook. It's just a fun outlook on life. Exactly. Why, yeah. exactly. Why, you know, the adjective youthful, right? Yeah. It's just well, like, it's, it goes back to the quote, the youth is wasted on the young. Yes, you know? exactly. It's, um, exactly. I mean, you know, this is kind of the point, like at just call it 50 ish using an arbitrary number. Like what you're talking about, um, you know, you, have this opportunity to do things and you know and try things and learn things that maybe you just didn't have the time before while you're raising your you know kids and your 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 family um which is why you know it's interesting like when i go back to thinking about one king's land like i never said oh wait, wait i'm 53 like that is that the right time to start a business that it, that wasn't even a consideration it's like is this something it was actually the bigger consideration is like can I do this? Should I do this? I've never done anything like this before. And, you know, to my husband's credit, he's like, okay, here's the deal. Like either do it, you know, cause like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I was like, okay, like the worst thing would be, it wouldn't work. Right. Or just stop talking about it because this has been going on for like a year of, you know, I was, you know, thinking about this and marinating this idea and talking about it and trying to see if it still sounded like a good idea. You're late. So that was kind of a funny thing, but age was never something that came up. Actually, I tell this story all the time. It didn't come up until, you know, One King's Lane really took off and we started getting a lot of publicity and our PR people would come to me and they're like very sheepishly and they're like, uh, Vanity Fair wants to put you and Allie on the new establishment list, but the only way they're going to do it is if you let them put print your age. And I was like, hell yes, print my yes, age. Yes, <laughs> of course, exactly. You know, it's like, I was actually really proud of it that, you know, I did this and that that wasn't an issue. And so, I mean, I think that's part of one of the things we're trying to do too, is like, why are people lie about their age? Like, there's no reason to, you know, do that. It's like, let's own it and show people what it really is like to be 53, 54. I'm turning 66 next week, like whatever, like, you know, let's own it and have a good time with it. I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I feel like we're, we've learned so much more and you can reinvent yourself at any given time. And I think you're proof of that. And I, and I always say that because I think, unfortunately, women were made to feel like we expire. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. You can't do anything else. And I, and absolutely. that's what's so great about your website. Cause listen, people always say to me, Oh, you're too old. You're what are you doing? What is this? Or don't wear that. Or why did you wear pigtails? I'm like, is there an age limit on a hairdo? Yes. I mean, no one ever told me this. You, you know, yeah, I mean, you feel you feel good when you do that. Like you yes, feel good, right? Exactly. Okay, you look good. So you know, tell those people they should just you know whatever. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, listen, there's there's certain things I feel that I don't look good in. I mean, I sell you like so. Of course, even when I sell you like when I was younger, it has nothing to do with my yeah. age. And it's like there's certain things I wouldn't wear when I was even younger. It wasn't attractive right. on me. Well, this is one of the things we're also trying to do is like, you know, it's interesting using 50 again as an arbitrary number. Uh, it's a little bit of this perfect storm, not in necessarily a good way. So typically, physically, you go through menopause, emotionally, you know, your kids, if you have kids are leaving, you know, empty nests or you're 
oftentimes looking at a, a partner that you've been with for a long time but haven't really been with and trying to figure out do I really like this person still you know you see a high divorce rate you know at this point um, you're also if you're working professionally you're on the verge you know you may be struggling with getting aged out so there's a lot of really tough things that are going on to kind of you know get as I call through to the other side and then if you do it's like I don't know it's kind of like a new lease on life you know like you could do anything you wanted to do it's like you're you know the, the world's there for you to do it yeah it's like a, it's like a total second chance it's like a rebirth and you come with all this information that you didn't have when you were in your 20s or your 30s right so you've had all these experiences you've done all this stuff and now you can take that and you know apply that to what you're good at like you know it's funny people always talk about reinvention and I think like for a lot of us, it's, I call it's more like an iteration, right? So like you should be able to know at this point, like I'm good at this or, you know, and so I can take those uh, strengths and go do something else. Or maybe it's something completely different and you always wanted to learn how to do something. Well, maybe that's not going to become like a next business, but it, why not do it? You know, learn to paint, take the piano, whatever it is. Like you have to keep, you know, I think growing and learning. So. I think something that you said before is so interesting because we've discussed this when we're talking um, to someone who, who champions size inclusivity. There's money left on the table. The group of women at this age group Crazy. have so much disposable income. They are ready to spend. They have time on their hands and brands are not catering to this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we are starting to see, I mean, I, I can say in the last couple of years since I started this, it's gotten a little better. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's tricky like for what we do because we pull products from lots of different websites. And when we started, we used to get a lot of pushback from people like, Hey, I thought this site was for women, older women. It was hard to find pictures of anybody that didn't look like they were 16 years old wearing products. So that you are starting to see, you know, more inclusive looking models on lots of different sites, which is, is nice. I mean, we're way far from it being probably where it needs to be, but it, it's slowly changing, which is positive. Same thing like, you know, menopause, nobody even talked about menopause three years ago. And now there's products specific for that. There's telehealth medicine sites coming up that are, you know, only for, you know, peri or yeah, peri menopause and menopause and postmenopause like you can go to talk to somebody that actually knows something about this so there, we are starting to see people realize that this is a big opportunity this demographic offers a lot in a lot of different ways but it's it's slow going you know no for sure and i think some i just want to talk about menopause one second because so many women suffer in silence with menopause even yeah. i went to one, my gynecologist and she didn't want me to go on hormone replacement at first. She was like, oh, you know, do something natural. I was like, no way. I'm like, why am I sweating all night? <laughs> you know, unless, you know, I didn't have a history of breast cancer in my family or anything like that. So I went and got the, the pellets. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, it, it was like life changing. Yeah. It made a big difference. Yeah. I mean, this, this is the thing. I think women did really suffer in silence, you know, up until, uh, you know, recently and now, there's just like a lot better information out there. There's a lot more conversations about it. And I think women know that there are places they can go to ask questions and talk about this and that they're not, this is not happening to them by themselves, which is good. I mean, it really is funny that Viagra commercials 
have been on TV for as long as we can remember. Like it's like it's more important to fix someone's boner than like a menopause that's ruining someone's life on yes, a daily basis. Exactly. Like it really is ridiculous. When you think of it like that, it's ridiculous. It's true. Yeah. No, it, 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 there's a lot of things that are sort of off, you know, not, not uh, the way they probably should be, but we're, we're, hopefully we're all changing. There's a lot more people, you know, talking about this and addressing this demographic now. And uh, hopefully, you know, the, really the marketers and the advertisers and, you know, the people making things will see that too and start to understand that they are leaving, to your point, a lot of money on the table. It's crazy to me. Yes. It really is. Yeah. We always ask the people who come on here, tell me what, because we say we're so entrepreneurial, um, yeah. like very business fun, but what most entrepreneurial advice could you give? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I kind of give, I get asked this question a lot and it doesn't change. And now that I'm an entrepreneur again, I, I really yeah. do feel that this is true. And I think in the world we live in it, you just have to, whatever you're doing, you have to keep it really simple. And, you know, I think as entrepreneurs or people with vision, sometimes you, you go like here first and, you know, it's tricky to do that right away. You start here and build on that a lot of times it's, it's better. Um, and I think whatever you're doing, if somebody doesn't get it like this, then you need to go back and, and work on it a little bit because we just, the world is just moving too fast today. So keeping things simple, I don't know, at this point also in my life, it just seems like it's good advice for everything, whether you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> you're living, you know, living your life as simple as it feels like a really good thing. I like that idea. Mm -hmm. If they don't get it right away, go back to the drawing board. Yeah, like if, it, if, if, it, if it needs too much explaining. Yeah. You know what? If it, really, I've been advisor for a couple of companies and like one of them, you know, when this woman first started telling me about what she was doing, I just didn't really understand what she was talking about, you know, and then she came back a couple of times and it was just much clearer because, you know, I think sometimes when you have it in your head as an entrepreneur or a visionary, it makes complete sense to you. But then when you try to give somebody your elevator pitch, if they're looking at you like, what, you know, you're probably not quite right yet. I think that's very it's good. It's so true as well, because we really are like an instant gratification society. I think like scrolling through Instagram, it's people true. don't read captions. People don't know what, you know, it, it has to like hit home in the first 30 seconds or else it's done, you know? Oh, it, totally. It, yeah. Well, we, we, you know, people used to go nuts. I mean, I, I realized this very quickly with One King's Lane because it's a very visual experience, yeah. right? And we had amazing copywriters and, you know, I felt terrible because we were constantly saying people don't read. They're just not reading like that. You have to make it like this. They have to see it really clearly and fast or, you know, they're, it's not going to, they're not going to get it. They're going to, you know, because people are just moving too fast. I mean, yeah, if they sit down and read something, that's a different thing, but on a day to day, minute to minute thing, you know, you think about how you absorb stuff. You're not really sitting and reading like a whole story typically about something no i love when you go on like um articles on on the ipad and it'll tell you this is a three minute read this yeah is yeah yeah we're even in a place as, as a society where we have to be told how long it's going to take us to read something before we could decide to read it is kind of crazy i know i it's 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 actually sad it is i like to well, 
it's also why I think like, you know, out in the world, like, you know, listicles, lists of things do really well, because that's, you know, that's how people want to, you know, take in the information. Just tell me what are the five things I need to know, you know? Yeah. Yes. The bullet points, the little, the bullet, what are the takeaways? That's it. That's really what it is. Yeah. And then if you want more, typically you can dig deeper. Yeah. True. I think takeaways are so important. So we accredit Margaret's success to 50% yes. determination and 50% delusion. Like, <laughs> I, believe, I, like I, I believe my own hype. <laughs> is, that, is that like fake until you make it? Yeah. Uh, that's such a good question. Um, let's see. Well, I think determination would be a big part of it, you know, not giving up and not like, you know, kind of putting blinders on. Let's see. I think hard working has got to be another one, you know, just like, and maybe that goes, the, the two go a little bit hand in hand. And um, I think like create, like, I, what's the word? I'm It's like a, I have, I think part of, I, I tend to see things like in a bigger, it's a create, I guess it's a form of creativity, you know, that I see these opportunities and then, you know, understand how to sort of go at them. Um, it's like now people say to me, I can't believe you started this business a couple of years ago, like nobody was doing anything, you know, like this. Now there's a bunch of people doing it, but it's because I, I, I'm a student of what's going on around me. And I, and I think by constantly, you know, seeing and learning and listening and taking all that in, it helps with, you know, the success. And also when you do start a business, growing a business, right? Because nothing stands still. You have to keep, you know, evolving that business. So I think by listening and being a, a, a student of what's going on, that's been very helpful. No, you see the white space. Yeah. You're really good at that. Yes. yes. Which, yeah. is good, which is important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do you think was your big girl panty moment when you were like, oh my God, this is my sink or swim time that I, I how am I going to do this? Like in your career? I mean, I think one King's Lane was that, that totally that moment. I mean, you know, I'm sure there were things that happened throughout my career. I worked, you know, my whole career prior to this, but I don't know. That was just like, I mean, it was bonkers. Like to even think what we like, what we did, like, it was so funny after we did it, people were like, how'd you do that? I'm like, that is such a good question because, you know, we had this idea, which I mentioned earlier is really only a small part of whatever you're doing. Lots of people have lots of good ideas. You know, it's all about the execution. And we were, I don't know. We just didn't, you know, we, we listened to what people were saying, but we also, there's always naysayers and things like that. And we yeah. just, we just put blinders on and just, if something didn't work or that wasn't going to be an option, we just went to like the next person. And so to think with, you know, very limited amount of money uh, in the height of the recession that, you know, we created something that was really new, different and unique was, that's a big moment, you know, to make, to make that happen. And I just, I never stopped to say like, oh, this is not going to work. You know, this is just, we just kept going. We were going to keep going until it either did or didn't, you know, yeah, that was. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, do you mind, did you guys self-finance it? Did you have to go? We did. Like, yeah. We did. So we did, there. we did. I should, I should qualify that. We, uh, we both, we bootstrapped the business initially and uh, the business did very well right away. So we, you know, we're, we actually were cash flow positive the first month, which is kind of amazing. Jeez. 
And we were, the growth was crazy. I mean, we did, um, I think in nine months, we did $6 million in sales. It was, it was crazy. That's like like, unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was unheard of. And, you know, and, and we were experiencing this, you know, triple digit growth for the next couple of years. Um, and so word got out and then we started having a lot of inbound interest and in people, you know, partnering and investing with us. And it was, it was definitely a moment, you know, where we had to say, okay, we have this business, it's going great. We get it. People are loving it. Do we just keep it and self-funded and, you know, make it probably more of a lifestyle business or do we bring in smart, you know, partners and try to blow this thing up in a big way, which is what we ended up doing. So it was, it was a hard choice to make because you have to, you know, give up a nice chunk of your business and now you've got other people you have to answer to. And it's, it's a very, very different kind of thing. Yeah, that's hard to do, right? And it's just like, because it's your baby and you started, but also that's what helps with the growth. Yeah, I mean, you know, people will say, well, do you want like a bigger percentage of a smaller business or a smaller percentage of, you know, so. Yes, I know. Well, it obviously worked out great. Yeah, Yeah, it's all good. Maybe another piece of advice when you're starting a company and building it. You know, we took the time, Allie and I took the time initially to talk about what this brand, we wanted this brand to look like and what we wanted it to be. And and we answered a lot of questions in between ourselves. So as we were building the business and, you know, we had this obviously, you know, very rapid growth, it made it a lot easier to move faster because we could, we might like, we might've liked something, but we were able to say, is that on brand or is it off brand? And if it was off brand, we'd say, you know, we do like it, but it's not, it's not right for us. So we need to, you know, move on. Um, and then if it was on brand, we, you know, that would be a, a yes decision. It was like, I learned that a long time ago. I think it was back in the heyday of Victoria's Secret. And I was trying to get some product into their stores and the buyer who was, a, you know, friendly, I was friendly with said, you know, I could put anything in these stores and anything could sell. It wouldn't matter. I mean, we have the traffic, we have the customer, but it just, it's a question of whether it's right for the brand. And that always, you know, kind of stuck with me. So it's sort of that doing that work early on, I think can make a big difference in growing your business because you're just able to, you know, really move quickly. I think that's such, that's just such great advice. And I always say that to everybody, like even with their social media and everything else, there's certain things like even products I won't promote. I'm like, it's not on brand. It's not something I would ever have. And I, you know, I'll turn down the money or whatever it is. I'm like, it's not, it's nothing I would ever. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, and it makes a difference at the end of the day. Right. Because then who you are and what your brand is, is much clearer to whoever you're speaking to. Otherwise it'd be confusing. And actually it was kind of a real, uh, I think, feather in our cap because once we did take funding, they, uh, some of our investors wanted to bring in some, you know, uh, consultants to make sure like what we were doing and how we were speaking to the customer was resonating. What we thought we were doing is what, you know, the message they were getting on the other side. Anyways, like all, you know, stuff that we probably didn't need to do. But what came back to us is like, oh, my God, you guys, it's exactly what you think you're sending out is exactly what's being received. Like it was very clear. It's important to have a clear message. I think that's very important business advice. And I always try and say that also, like, what's the message? 
just in general. I think your personal brand, whatever that is. I think in business as well, people get so nervous that like, you know, I, I should be all things to everyone. Yeah, and you so can't I can be. make a sale. And then it's that's too hard. You can't tell your business in two seconds. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what you're saying also goes back to it's another version of keep it simple, right? Because yes. like, it's just, you have to be really uber clear with people. Otherwise, it's they're like, huh? I know. Yeah. It's no, you're absolutely right. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for having me. You can find us at getinthegroove.com or that that's our website. And then on Instagram and Facebook at um, Get in the Groove One. Great. Thank you thank so, you. so, so much. So thank you. Well. She is fantastic. The best. I mean, I love her. One King's Lane really was a visionary and mm -hmm. it inspired so many other curated types of site to come up at that time and none of them and none had of them the style no. the elegance they still don't even know the, the way one king's no, lane no one did. king's lane looks amazing i always go there still because it's still high-end curated you know you're getting great style yeah, it's a luxury shopping experience and it i is. love that that stayed true even after the sale of the company, which I think, like we said in the episode, is a testament to what they started. Six million dollars in nine months. That's impressive, That's people. impressive. Starting it when she was 53. So you're never too old to start something, come up with a new idea. I, I'm still astounded at those numbers that she threw out in the episode. Money is literally left on the table that people are not catering to. It's so crazy. I mean, it's funny. I saw the girls in the office when we were looking over all Susan's bio and her info. You know, even this morning, I put on my my pink tiny shorts and was like, I wonder how many more years I've got left in these before it's like I shouldn't really be wearing them. And I, I, like, who has to ask themselves that? No, yeah, it's do ridiculous. If your, legs, you if your legs are still in good shape, no matter what age, or listen, I. Even if they're not, if you want to wear a pair, wear a pair of damn shorts, wear the shorts. Yeah, wear the shorts. I just who don't like my dimples to but the other thing I was going to say is, it is true. When you're older, you have more money. Women have more yes. money. Yes. Women are successful. Their careers are bigger. We have a lot of money to spend. But you know what the only thing that's going to change, like, like we're saying the Viagra commercials have been on the air for so long, is having more female execs, more female investors. You know, there's like a really scary number, and I'm going to throw it out, and it's probably wrong, but something like only 1% of venture capital investments are made by women. And that's insane. Like It's growing, though. It's it growing, is growing. Though. And people are investing in well, women-owned businesses. Like fact, fact check fact check that. Check it right now. Because I just want to make sure. Fact um, check it. But it, but it is, I'm doing it right now. This is an alarming statistic. Yes, I Tell said 1%. It's better than 1%. In 2020, only 4.9% of VC partners in the U.S. Mm -hmm. are female. It's still very low. It's, and that makes sense that advertising, marketing, products, you know, amount of money that's, that's marketed, it's marketed to men because it's men doing the investments. I know. And more women have to do the investments and we have to invest in women-owned companies. And women have a lot of money, people. And we're successful. And, and women have money on the needs. table and needs. So yeah, I think that that's when we'll start to see changes, and that's why sharing stories of like amazing female founders is so important to us. Yes, and I, I just love I love such a smart woman, Susan Feldman, and so interesting, and and just you know what, I'm, we're gonna work till we're dead. That's that's it. 
Because wait, 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 wait. I don't know about that. But maybe we're going to work till we go to, till we go to like, Italy, you know, work from a yacht. No, you know what I'm saying. It's just, I, I like to be creative. No, the different, yes. Work till we're dead sounds like we're going to be chained to a chair for the rest of our life. No. no we're not chained life, to a chair now. No, life is, life is, life is work for us because we're creative. Yes. It's so, just yes. like our work-life balance is, there's, which is, unfor, you know, is a fortune or unfortunate. It's like, I don't feel like I'm going to work. I feel like I'm no. living. I'm always being creative wherever I go. I'm inspired. So I enjoy every aspect. Yes, I agree. It never I feels agree. like work because we love what we do. Yeah, when you love what you do. And I think that we're You never blessed. work a day in your life. Not everyone has that. And, I think we, and we make blessed. money as we do it. Yes, thank God. So I hope that people are inspired today to go out and enjoy their life and mm -hmm. make their work enjoyable and inspirational and if you have an idea tell someone they get it go for it exactly simplify everything. simplify everything keep it you know it's the kiss method keep it simple stupid that's right okay you used to say that when i first met yes. you keep it simple stupid you can find us every week with new episodes every wednesday at caviar dreams Tim fish budget everywhere you find your podcast apple spotify amazon mm -hmm. everywhere and find us on instagram at the same name Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming.